0: Welcome to the podcast. Well, folks, it's that time again. Just before we get to the actual full podcast, give me a follow. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at the podcast. This week's episode is with a personal friend of mine, the Crusaders Kitman, Frankie Weir. You're going to really enjoy this conversation. I did. I loved it. Frankie is a legend. Now, if you have missed any of the stuff that i have pushed out in the last couple of months make sure you check it out sean o'neill's podcast is out have a look for that one it's really good with a crusaders legend another man who's won league titles at sea view for crusaders michael Carval. that episode is out personal favorite episode of mine really good fun with michael upcoming podcasts crusaders fan favorite richard clark that episode will be out the next week or so look out for that one and coming soon will be michael docherty goalkeeping coach, now signed to Ballyclare. He won a league title at Seaview, County Antrim. Shield at Seaview as well, and was the part of the trio of goalkeepers alongside Brian Jensen and Sean O'Neill in that 2017-2018 league-winning campaign. So look out for that podcast. It's going to be really good as well. But without further ado, let's get to the legend that is Frankie Weir. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the podcast, another somewhat Crusaders themed edition. I'm delighted to have here with me one of the unsung heroes of the club. It's one of the kit men, Frankie Weir. Frankie, welcome back to the show.
1: Aaron, thanks very much for having me on. It's uh, good to speak to you again.
0: Recurring Um, guest, Frankie. You're a recurring guest. (laughs) Well,
1: it happens, happens, you know.
0: (laughs) These invites that keep coming your way, Frankie, you can't
1: say no. Keep coming. (laughs) <laughs> doing lots of, but well, you're doing lots of stuff online now because of the situation with the COVID, and you know we're doing a lot of stuff through the church online now. So, starting to get more used to it. Yeah, becoming
0: an expert with the iPad, are you?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed.
0: Well, Frankie, you, let's we'll talk a bit about the football first of all. Um, been a bit of a we we chatted just before we went live on the air. It's been a bit of a t- different year for obviously football in general with COVID and everything that sort of goes alongside that and what's it been like for you as the kit man? because are you able to really connect with the players and chat with the backroom staff as much as maybe you used to
1: yes it's still much much the same for us as kitmen. um but the whole day is a whole different feeling to it um different clubs have approached it different ways and we took a decision early that the guys would look after their own gear They bring their own gear now. We bring all the other parts, the water, the footballs, the training cones, the uh, subs, coats and that. But what's different is when you go to some of the grounds, Darren, they they don't have big enough space for um, the whole team to get in. So they tend to separate the away team. So like the other night at Carrick, uh, the first team squad were over in a wee lounge that they have over at the far side, and the seven subs had to go to the away changing room the totally other end of the pitch so you're running between the two and trying to keep everybody happy and you just set out two sets of stuff you know so it can be can be challenging at some grounds you know. Um, or How have you found it at Seaview in home games? Well Seaview we're we're all together although it's different uh, again uh, where we keep all our, our stuff is over in the Danny Hale's suite, where, which the away team uses, we're over in the clubhouse we have to get all the stuff over before the visiting team comes and so it, it can be tricky enough uh, at times because of the two different locations, you know, but most mostly we've got it right you know
0: yeah, Certainly a different season Oh, it certainly is and
1: even in the change, even in the thing everybody's spread apart Mm-hmm. Where when you're in the dressing rooms, you're more cl- close and tight knit and but everybody's cautious and spread apart and wider open, so it's it's just not the same, just not the same, you know.
0: Yeah, can you can you tell that, uh, and maybe in regards to the atmosphere of the change room, the players, the club, that with the differences of people being apart a bit more, that closeness is maybe gone to an extent. It,
1: it's not that the closeness hasn't gone; the guys are still together, but they, they have to be apart. Where, you know, in the normal changing room, you're sitting next to the guy and talking to him. And so there's not that personal close contact, although there would maybe be two at a table sitting, you know, we try to keep them as far apart as possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's just, just different in, in that way that there's not that really, really close personal contact. But um, no, they, they, they seem to be quite happy. I think the miss more is the atmosphere of the game. Because when you go out, you know you score a goal, or there's no atmosphere. There's no there's no crowd noise. There's no people shouting. So it's different from that that point, you know.
0: Yeah, it feels very. As much as I enjoy the sort of the TV
1: coverage and
0: everything that sort of the BBC are doing and live streams and things like that, it does seem very different.
1: Like a lot of the games do feel very friendly. Like. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It. It, it, it's really different. There's not that buzz and run about and crowds shouting and jeering and, you know, and one of the hardest things for us we have to watch it, is when the ball goes out, there's no fans that throw the ball back in again. <laughs> so it's a, it's a constant trying to um, get the ball sorted out so that the uh, fourth official have enough balls. He throws it on, obviously, if it's one out and um, we have to try and retrieve it. We'll have people around the ground but you can't have somebody at every single Part of the ground, so there's always going to be a time where uh, it's going to go out and somebody's trying to go and get it, you know. So, that there can be fun too. <laughs> Whose turn
0: is it? You're nudging someone. Your turn.
1: <laughs> Your turn. Well, you know what Steve used like the, the ball goes over in the railway, you know, or over in the stand, you know. But we did get a wee net put up uh, recently, um, and it has helped. Uh, it's saved about eighty percent of the balls uh, going over. They've just dropped down and behind the goals, so we can go and get them. So it's me or Roy, your turn this time, Roy, or I go, you know, depending, or if it goes out on the shore road, I have to fly out before one of the young kids get it, you know.
0: With the young kids, are to way up the road with it,
1: isn't it? Oh, oh. Um, Like a 60, 70 pound of ball.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, so. <laughs> the gold dust, the kids in the shore road, go- isn't it? You're gold, not own... gold dust. <sighs> I mean, oh, You walk down the street the next day and you see some lad, a couple of kids using the jumpers for goalposts with a match ball.
1: (laughs) With a match ball and a
0: cruise right all over it,
1: you know, (laughs) but uh, that's the way it goes. Absolutely.
0: Well, take me back a little bit from when you started to get involved with Crusaders. Um, You were involved firstly with the Reserve team and tell me a little bit about that, getting involved there and some of your sort of memories being involved with the Reserves.
1: I was actually involved with the under-16s. Right, okay. Uh, my son, Jonathan, who you know, yeah, he he played in the same team as Declan and uh, Big Jordan Owens. Yeah. Uh, and I can remember them playing a match. It's just clear. we were, were playing Bal- Balamina, and mm-hmm. there was a guy on Balamina's team called Turkey. Yes. And Big Jordan Owens was called Chicken. So the whole match, all you heard was Turkey, Chicken, Chicken. <laughs> oh, so it was the biggest laugh out. But... Um, Jonathan was involved then but obviously Jonathan didn't go on to he he gave it up for some unknown reason and he had done so so well I remember him scoring a cracker goal against Linfield at under 16 level Um, and he could use both feet Jonathan and he was good in the air but obviously it didn't go on but at that stage then uh, I was brought in to help in the reserves and it was just I was down one day and I seen Stephen Bell was the chairman then and uh, it was Jeff Spears was taking the reserves and he needed somebody and Stephen says, I know the man. There he is there. And he said, would you help Jeff? I says, "I certainly. So I got called along to help Jeff and the uh, reserves at the time and it was a real, uh, it's just so much fun with Jeff. You know, I can remember one night down at Glenavon and when you were Doing that, you had the the white teams have done the line on the other side in the reserve games. Yeah. There was only a referee. So I was overdoing the line and it lifted the flag and it pointed, pointed to us. You know, I got it wrong. It pointed to us that it was our throwing, but that's giving it to them. <laughs> the next thing before it goes, I was Jeff, what are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about day on, boy, church. Oh dear, dear, he missed that. No, that was good. That was good, good fun. And then, after a few years, the opportunity opened up to come into the first team. Yeah. And um, that was the first year that we won the league. It was the first year I was involved with the first team. With a guy called Les, uh, Smokey Joe, we called him. He's terrible wee smoker, but he's a great guy, Les. And um, learned my trade off Les, and have uh, went on from there. You know. At that reserve level, you must have seen
0: a few of the boys coming through. You know, you mentioned, you know, Jordan Owens and Decky playing with Johnny at the under sixteen level. You know, Chris Morrow must have been around at those times. And yeah. when you're at the reserve level, did you see Gavin at all? What was sort of those players yeah. who were coming through into the first team?
1: Gavin White, and also what you would have got was players who coming back from injury would have come down, and and you could always personally, me, you could judge a player as character when he came down to reserves because mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple who come down and they just felt I should not be here who do you think of? but there's others come down and they were brilliant in the changing room of the, the young lads mm-hmm. they were encouraging to them they were telling them what to do they were helpful to them and obviously there was a bit of slagging off going on too Like, but most of them were great guys when they come down you know and playing in the reserve and I think that's missed this year too when a player gets injured he can't have those games to get a match fit back in again he's just working on his fitness and you know it takes a few games just to get that match fitness as we call it there's fitness, match fitness getting your eye in on the ball you know but uh, yeah it was uh, absolutely great times
0: yeah, I, I can imagine, that especially the fun that you had if you're talking about Jeff. Um, yeah. So Jeff, obviously the assistant, the the Stephen now, but as a manager, as as the man, what was Jeff like as as a coach to those lads in the reserve teams?
1: He as much as he is now, he's very good. He's he, he's about tactics, and I would give him a he'd give them a tune off if they needed it, you know but he was supportive of them. And, you know, as much as he is now with the boys, Jeffs would be more on the tactical side, you know, picking up and who to mark and, you know, so he, he's very good with them. Very, very good. You know, I felt he had a good rapport with them, all the young lads. He seemed to know the ones that need to sort of, you know, come on you or the ones that need it, an arm put around them, you know. And obviously, he sees that with Stephen as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about,
1: you got involved with the
0: first team and you've been involved with the first team for a number of years now, but some of the European trips, what
1: sticks out in your memory about the European trips? The European trips uh, were amazing, and it's been a privilege with the crews. Could you think, some of those big teams, uh, and it hit me there when we played Wolves, they hadn't been in Europe for like something like 35, 40 years. Yeah. And there I I was in the Champions League three times in Europa League and been to all those countries was absolutely amazing. And it's amazing going away with the team because you all walk through obviously with all the same tracks on, especially when you pull into the foreign airports. Yeah. Everybody's looking at you as if you are they, thinking you're some big you no know, AC Milan or something, but it's the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it can be so um, on the away games, people think, oh, you're getting away. But you really do not have too much time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because when you travel, Wednesday night, you travel on a Tuesday. By the time you get to the hotel, get sorted. Um, you come down, you go and have a training session at the ground. Uh, then by the time you come back, everybody gets something to eat. And been tired because maybe be up early that morning. They've been traveling all day. and Stevie likes everybody early nights. You get up the next morning we have to go and meet the delegates from UEFA to talk about the whole um, game the team, you know all the they check all the kit that there's no dodgy sponsorship going on. they check all the colors and you know, I mean what you're going to wear right down to everything the police are there, the medical services are there. and I can remember one time it was in uh, Lugarets, Bulgaria. And the yearfield delegate asked the chief of police, How many policemen have we tonight? And your man said, Enough. And your guy says, Well, what's enough? One, two. And he says, Enough. And the man says, I can't write enough. I have to write a figure. So it was at one, two twenty thirty 30. And a whole row started. And I thought, at me because you know what Bulgaria is like, <laughs> but the uh, the chairman of Lugarets came in and got us sorted. So it was uh, it was all sorted, you know. But my other great memory was the night in Tallinn in Estonia, yeah, where we qualified to get into the next round, and that was a memorable trip too because of Joey Dunlop.
0: Yeah, because uh, Liam
1: Baggett had came with us. And they had taken flowers from his wife. And that's where Joey was killed, Mm -hmm. out in Tallinn in Estonia. And um, that was great. We went back and we stayed in a a Radisson Blue hotel in Estonia. Absolutely beautiful hotel. Swimming pool, top floor and all. You come down for your breakfast and there was everything there. Everything you could want. And uh, went out and celebrated. It was the greatest night qualifying. We got our next uh, round was Albania. We had to travel to Albania, and no run on Albania's down. But the hotel was shocking. You come down the next morning, and there was a, a plate of salty cheese, and a plate of cooked ham, and a two slice pop up toaster, and one jug of orange juice, and that was that was our breakfast for everybody. Where the week before you just left the Radisson Blue, where you would and got everything, you know. But I can remember going to the um, Skanaburg. I think I, what did you call them? Went down for that training night. In Albania, we had to get a police escort in, and we went down to the training. There was about 500 of their fans standing outside the ground cheering at us on the training night. And they, they have these ultras. There's about 6,000 in the game that night, and it was 28 degrees. And we were doing so well. We lost two goals in the last 10 minutes, but it was the heat killed the boys. They just ran out of, ran out of energy, you know. But it'll always run. 6,000 6, of them in the middle of Albania and there were headers like absolute headers you want to hear them sing and but just getting off the coach and all those fans because normally when you went down to the training thing there was nobody here. Yeah. there they had 500 fans standing outside shouting and singing like you you know it was brilliant
0: what about getting off the coach at Wolves? Because I think that as you mentioned, Wolves, you had to really kind of take it in where all you've been in Europe and it was their first time there. But for yeah, you arriving yeah. at Wolves and the team arriving at Wolves, walking out in the mall and you, the pitch, the stadium, the changing rooms, everything about the club must have been kind of like wow. What was that well, sort of feeling like going to the game? I
1: I didn't get walking off the coach because we <laughs> could, <laughs> we go down to, We we were there an hour earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, to prepare the dressing room at Molyneux. Um, but now the dressing room at Molyneux would amaze you. The away dressing room, it's small, yeah, very small. And apparently they do that over there, yeah. paint it gray, and there's put pillars in. So it's an awkward position where you can't get everybody in sort of just together. Yeah, So apparently they do it just to try and disrupt them. Mm-hmm. But the guys at Molyneux, the, the kit men that we worked with now, were absolutely brilliant. Every, every person was brilliant. And you walked out. Um, obviously, we were sitting just beside the dugout, 35,000 fans singing Hi Ho Silver Lane, and that's what they sing. Hi yeah. Ho Wolverhampton. And to hear the noise of that was amazing. And we're so proud of the guys. It was 1-0 with like 10 seconds to go. Yeah, so they they they'd done so well. What people don't re- remember is that day in England it was thirty four degrees. It was absolutely wow. roasting, darn! It mm-hmm. was boiling, absolutely roasting. So it was amazing, and then Wolves coming over to Sea View was another amazing thing. You want to see the gear they bring? Mm-hmm. Like we go away, we take. Mm-hmm. They they had a van over with all this equipment on it, everything on it, a coffee machine for. Uh, their manager in the changing room. He has to have his own coffee machine and have these machines where the guys train on electric machines. It stretches them. and oh, Unbelievable. Just totally different level. But after the game, they come over to the, the new clubhouse and had a meal with us. And the, the guys come in and they were talking to the boys and they weren't, oh, well, we we're superstars. We we're not going over there. Uh, I was going over talking to Cody and he, he lovely guy and all the guys... Jota, them all, were Jimenez, they're all up in talking to the boys. It was great. Really was great, you know.
0: Where would that Wolves yeah. tie rank for you
1: in sort of your memories of Crusaders? I know obviously you've seen us lift
0: titles and you mean part of the, the backroom staff have won titles, won Irish Cups and stuff, but the use European trips. And I want to ask you about Copenhagen in a second, but um, yeah. Wolves Wolves, especially, where would that rank for you in terms of just your moments or memories?
1: Well, we we, we just come out of the, the Faroe Islands yeah, uh, a couple of weeks before and I remember that game that we, we had done so well at Seaview and I, I I don't know in the Faroe Islands all it is is sheep it's just all it <laughs> is sheep and a fog, the fog had come down because I know Linfield had went uh, later and they get stranded with fog but on that night I couldn't see the other side of the pitch and I thought there's no way this guy's playing this but the, ref- the referee seemed happy enough with it and he played it, and I don't know if you remember. In the first thirty seconds, they, they done a back pass. Yeah. Their keeper put their hand down, and he gives a free kick, and we went four one up. And and when in that, then the exci- thats when the excitement built. Yeah. When we knew that we were going to go to Wolves, and you know, playing Wolverhampton Wonders. It, it was just out of, out of this, out of all the teams that you could have got, was one of the best ones. You know, and it was just some, just something else.
0: But that's something um, else. Do you think that draw of getting Wolves was almost the incentive for the boys? Obviously, you want to progress in Europe and you want to get through and you want to challenge yourself and all this sort of stuff. But when you see you're playing Wolves next, does that almost do the team talk for Stephen? He's like, lads, the the results Wolves, just just go and do it.
1: You don't have to say anything. They knew that that was going to be their biggest game in their lives then, Mm -hmm. you know, at their level. And uh, they just played their absolute heart out. And... To just then to come up against Wolves but the problem with Stephen was then who does he pick and who does he leave out yeah because you know it's a strong squad and in the Irish League now and that's what I've noticed starting from the start is the strength of the squad because the seven players on the bench are as good as what's on the pitch yeah yeah and that's, that's your problem, is keeping those happy and making the right choices, making the right decisions. Because if he can come on and be as strong as the person, that's what you need, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's keeping a strong squad.
0: It, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I was actually looking at the, at the team sheet for the Fulham game yesterday, just out of curiosity, Um, looking back at at that memory and just like how crazy that was as well. And not not to be disrespectful to any of these players that were on the bench against Fulham, but you looked at the bench, and a lot of it was sort of reserve players who were called up to fill out the squad. There was actually, uh, say, four of the seven were reserve players that filled out the sort of squad. And as you rightly said against Wolves, you're like, who do you pick and who do you leave out? And It's obviously a very, very hard, hard job for Stephen and, and pretty much maybe Jeff as well, or whoever else, maybe has a bit of an input in selecting the eleven.
1: Yeah, it really is, and it's, it's not only picking the squad. About it's, it's picking players to play certain roles. You know, there's midfielders who are defending midfielders. will sit back. Yeah. There's midfielders who. Midfielders who are good passers of the ball and. There's guys in the wing who'll whip the ball. In. It depends who you're playing, mm-hmm. and it's trying to pick a player that's going to do the job for you yeah. against the guy that you think he's going to come up against, and who you feel suited for that, and who's best for that. So, but also, just come back there to Wolves. I remember we Charlie O'Rourke playing, big Taiore. Yeah,
0: that's right. everybody
1: was saying about Taiore's thigh was as thick as Charlie's body. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it done so done so well. But the whole team done so well, damn. Man. Yeah. But it, that was their that was their golden moment. That was their big opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it can be like that in football. You know, they're obviously away or their levels away above us. But sometimes our level will come up where theirs will come down.
0: Yeah.
1: And I've seen that us playing no disrespect to lower league clubs and non league clubs in the Irish Cup. Sometimes they come away up because they're playing crusaders right? mm-hmm. you know because it's all to do with uh, the mental side of things yeah mentality who you're going out against you know
0: mm-hmm. Also on the European trips and we'll finish with this one on the European stuff. Were you, were you up in Scandinavia for any of the games Copenhagen or Rosenberg and what, what were they yeah. like?
1: I was up at uh, Copenhagen. Uh, Copenhagen is absolutely beautiful city. And mm-hmm. um, that stadium, the park and stadium, was something else absolutely unbelievable just to be in it and to be a part of it. You know, we uh, come around there and all the changes because that's their international stadium. Yeah. But obviously they were, uh, you know, absolutely superb team. So they were superb team. But when you're there, you're sitting down on, you seem to be sitting down on, uh, a lower pitch level and it was harder to read the game mm-hmm. um, but you no, know, Copenhagen was something else beautiful yeah. beautiful city but you don't get you don't get much time darn and then yeah. you're up you know up the next morning away because I remember that time coming back from Albania and what a lot of people don't know you know the guys are uh, working Yeah, and a lot of us including myself got off the plane that morning at Belfast International at six o'clock, would travelled all night to come back from Albania, and that was in work at seven. Yeah, the next day because we couldn't get time off because it was around the July holidays and guys had already booked off. Yeah, so you can't book time off not knowing if you're going to need it or, you know, and that's a wee problem that we, it's just at our level that we face, you know. Yeah, went straight back into work.
0: Absolutely, I think as the leagues progress and Crusaders have started the full time model, Larner full time. Linfield, I believe, shortly are making that full-time announcement, Glenn Torn full-time. Do you think that's the way and the pattern that the league needs to go in order to compete maybe a little bit more in Europe that it isn't just, let's go through a couple of rounds. You look at Dundalk, who got to the group stages. Is that yeah. is that sort of the goal, do you think? Is that maybe the next step?
1: It, it's, what's, it's what's needed. And you can see the Larn and um Glenn Thorne and then feel changing the level. I mean, there's a level we were up at that level, and then everybody else come up. So we need to move up to higher level. But our problem is that we're only part-time, full-time. Yeah. But these other teams are full-time all the time. So it's great to see. And it is a possibility then that an Irish league team will get a run into the group stages. But you would need to be full-time to do that because of the problems that I just said there. Yeah. People are working. How do you get time off work to go away to all these matches? But the next thing, and I've heard um, a Glenn Tom manager say about it, is the facilities need to improve. Yes, because some of the facilities away, you know, years ago when there was only eleven people in the in the changing room, and you now have a changing room where you have maybe thirty people in it. Yeah, because the eighteen players and then all the all the backroom staff that goes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and funny, we're talking about it the other day, Jeff was saying when they were playing about when he was at Linfield, um, everybody jumping into the one bath and Mm -hmm. you you couldn't even find a bar of soap because the water was that dirty. And then that was, they were all just in one bath, jumping in a bath, you know, where it's just, there's no way it wouldn't be heard of now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, definitely it needs to go the, the full time route. But I, I think, you know, if anybody, and like Kenny Bruce, you know, down at Larn, pumping money, you know, it's not a big deal of money they'll have to pump in and they would get Champions League football. If you think some of them big clubs in England have never had European football and the money that's going around them. So, you know, oh. they had clued in. They could put, pump some money into a local club here and you could be into the group stages of the Europa League or even the Champions League, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be the key. I think with Crusaders going like the full-time model, the part-time full-time, the Linfield full-time, the and Lauren, et cetera, they should be able eventually, maybe not yet because it's still the building stages, but they should be able to eventually attract some players from England that maybe could be an alternative to perhaps a lower championship club or a League One club. And that indirectly as well is going to help the local players here,
1: Improve. Yeah. It's going to help the international
0: setup. It's going to help everything, and it's a really interesting period of time, I think, for for local football.
1: Yeah. Well, you look at us. We, we had big Brian Jensen, yeah. the goalkeeper, who a lovely guy. You know, he's he didn't wasn't coming in full of himself. And Brian Jensen, he came in the changing room and he just fit the and he was respectful and he was a great guy, great guy. But that was his first time playing in Europe he played with Crusaders you know and he had a, an international career but he never played in Europe with a team and he, he absolutely loved it over here loved it so he did I think he would have liked to stay but I don't know the reasons all behind why he went but he was a good good big lad you know Brian so heard he that was, from a
0: from a few people, you know, about Brian Jensen loving his time at, at Crusaders and in Northern yes. Ireland and everything that went alongside that. So tell me a little bit about moving into the first team and being a part of the first team for the cup finals, winning trophies and everything that goes with that. Cause that must obviously be
1: the bread and butter of what, what sort of makes it worthwhile in, in the end, uh, I suppose. Oh uh, yeah. Well, uh, but that first time, obviously, you're coming in as a new guy, as the Kitman, and you don't know how, you, you need to see how things play and what goes on and what happens. But that first year, and I know you were there, that uh, we're coming out to get the Gibson Cup, and all the players, everybody was coming out. Uh-huh. I didn't know. Next like thing, my name was announced, <laughs> and I had to walk out first because it start from the lowest up, you know. I had to walk out first, out into the crowd and start waving. And <laughs> I was going, "What am I doing here?" But uh, no, it was it was truly amazing and it, just such a privilege to be part of it. Because I know I talked to some of the Kip men, know some of the clubs. I like have never been to a cup final. They've never won the league. They've never been to anything. There were at cup finals, and, and the Irish Cup Day is an absolutely fantastic day. Obviously, we were allowed up in the night before. To set up and set everything in, which allows us then to go on the bus, uh, you know, to go to the hotel, have a wee mail, and then go on the bus, and obviously you get the old free sit and all, which is brilliant. (laughs) For us getting the police escort from, we had been at Coors Corner, and we got the police escort down through the town to go to Windsor, and uh, the, the two motorbikes. Um, like I remember somebody saying the last time they had a police escort, we were going to a Crumlin Road jail. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> you know. don't have to name names who that was. I'm not saying nothing, but uh, this is the last time they had a police escort, we are going to a Crumlin Road jail. <laughs> but no, it's just just great fun to be, be part of and be around and a great a great bunch of guys. I mean, absolutely great bunch of guys. And it's it's good for me from the job that I do that it, it, it's sort of you go in there and you're not nobody, you know, you're a nobody. It's not as if you're the big important one. You just go in and it's a release and everything else goes on around you. And you just go in and do your job. And that's what Stephen likes. Stephen likes you just to come in, do your job and be able to slip out of the road. When all the big important stuff goes, just stop at the same and don't get involved in it. Just do what he requires and what he needs. And he knows, he said, he said to me in Roy, he's thanked us and says, look, Every week I come, it's done. Everything that I needs there, and everyone and I know it'll be done, and that's all I want. So just keep at it, you know.
0: And what's the relationship like in the changing room? Obviously, you're you're seeing the players interact and have a laugh and mess around, and you're seeing Stephen come in and give the team talks and stuff like that. If you any memories or any funny stories you can share with us about little incidents in the changing room, perhaps. Uh, maybe I don't know if you've been involved in any, Frankie. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I've been involved in a few in the, the time that the year the BBC came with us. Yes. And obviously they had access to all areas. Mm-hmm. So they were in film and everything. And at the start, the guys were a bit, let's um, say, you know, a bit shy of it. But as the weeks went on, they forgot that the camera was there. And some weeks, it was Natalie, who was doing it. But obviously she'd forgot that time had run on. And uh, she was stand filming and next thing, well, I was Paul Haley just come walking out with nothing on and didn't realize that the camera's there, and then she got a full front up, you know, <laughs> and then she ran out the door. So, but obviously that was edited out of the program. But uh, you know, but there's been some good laughs, and one of the one of the good laughs was we gavin white and uh, Matthew Snotty. They they were just so funny, and they didn't even realise how funny they were. We just the boys would have had some laughs with them, you know, and then they would get you'd get some laughs because Stephen would say something that's that's wrong, or he would forget something the, uh, about players he's saying or something, you know, that didn't really work, and the boys would wind him up about it. Yeah. So there's it's a good banter that goes both ways, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is excellent, you know. And obviously with myself, they would give you a bit of banter if you have done something wrong, or you know, because one time I was going um, out, and sometimes Stephen I would does the team sheet in the background and then i would hang it up for them, yeah and i hang I'd put it up but obviously it fell down you know <laughs> it's head on away the tape didn't stick but it fell down you know and you get you get a lot of stick from the boys make sure you have the proper tape it all that. you know <laughs> and they can get on you yeah you know, so it's good good fun mm-hmm. any other incidents
0: where maybe i know there was the incident i think you were playing arts you brought the wrong kit those uh and you, well, you uh, said yeah, Roy back, was it? Or maybe not the Roy Yeah, it wasn't the really. something different.
1: Yeah, well, normally we, we had the red and black and they were like a, a blue with yeah. a, a pinky. Now, some referees will allow it. And it's just normally we have the kit there. But for some unknown reason, we'd forgot to bring the away kit. <laughs> and we went down and the referee says no. So I had to send Roy the way back up, the Crusaders, to get the white kit. And come down, but we made it in time. And that's why, you know, you are uh, get this stuff done. So, mm-hmm. but, and that's the thing when you do go, you have to bring everything with you because you don't know when you're going to need it. So, it's better having it, looking at it, than looking for it. So, we've learned over the years to uh, bring everything. But there was one the other week, and uh, I'll, you know, Roy. He's filling up. He's doing the water bottles. You know that they're in the trays, yeah. but he'd only done one side. I forgot to fill the other ones. The guys went to get a drink. There's no water in it. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Well, thankfully we caught that on um, when we were doing the warm up, mm-hmm. and we remedied. It. You know, we got it remied for the game, so we did. So, but he says he doesn't know what he was doing. He lifted it and he forgot to do the other side of <laughs> all the other water bottles. Uh, you know on a senior moment we'll call it
0: senior moment for Roy well Pope maybe he doesn't listen to this he'll be sending you a text message I uh, uh, no he's
1: will the back of me
0: um <laughs> uh, we've talked about the sort of the fun stuff that was on the changing rooms a little bit what about the seriousness too especially those big games the Cliftonvilles the Linfields those big important games do you notice a difference in the changing room in the atmosphere
1: uh, you most certainly, you most certainly do. Once you become into the big games, or it's it's what Stephen said, the business end of the season, where you're trying to get over the line to win a title, or you can see the seriousness coming in. You know, everything you just f- can feel the pressure, you can feel the tension, you can feel uh, how it's going. Because players, some of them can be real creatures of habit. And the, you may call it superstition, whatever you want. You see them there in the um, Premiership. Some of them hop onto the pitch. Some of them come on, kiss their arms, cross themselves, do all sorts of stuff. And it's just wee things that they go through. There was one player in Crusaders, and he would not go out the door to warm up until a second after 20 past two. He just wouldn't go out earlier than that he that was his thing and that was the way that he done it but you can you can the 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 pressure's palpable you can feel it you can feel the pressure coming on and it's it's like any of us we're going through things that are are different or stressful you know you can feel the pressure coming on you 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 act different you do different and you do different things but as long as you can keep and that's what i think stephen likes we can keep the changing room calm and do everything and don't be getting all flustered and just do the thing and let them be and be away from them. Don't be involved in them. Now, if they want to be involved and talk to us, fine, but don't be involved in them, you know, because they need to focus in their mind on what they're doing. So, yeah, you can definitely see as the season progresses. And you can see the annoyance too. You know, we talked about earlier, not getting good results. Don't think it doesn't affect them. Of course it affects them. You know, they try. They try hard, and sometimes it just doesn't happen for them, and they get annoyed about it and they get frustrated about it. But uh, you know, they keep coming back and doing, trying their trying their best. You know, that's the thing, isn't it?
0: Um, when results don't go your way, nobody likes to lose, and nobody like and nobody goes out to make a mistake. I think that's important to say as well. And yep. that frustration of not winning. You know, especially a club like Crusaders, where we've kind of came up from the championship. You know, been in the league a long time, came up from the championship, and then the, really the last sort of ten to twelve years has been an amazing period for the club. And and this year seems to be a bit different in the context of maybe just the consistency. And to me, it feels like the whole club's hurting and it's frustrated and disappointed, and it's it's hard because we've been so used to winning trophies and winning things. And I think it's important that we sort of band together and, and sort of, whatever way it works, see it out and, and come back again. And that's sort of what's happened for years. You know, we came second a lot, the Cliftonville, the Linfield and lost cup finals. Then eventually it, it, it worked in what was our time.
1: But to say football is a funny game. There's the, the one we played Linfield a few weeks ago. They beat us 2-1. The last kick of the ball, we, we should have won that game 4 1. The chances we had, and sometimes if I put it like this, when you're kicking a ball, you know, you can kick it just sweetly, but when you try too hard, you just hit it that wee bit harder because you're wanting it to go in. And the next thing it's hitting the bar or going over, the, you know, it's a very fine, fine lane. But I, uh, I know that the guys will go back to their basics. And they'll go back to what they know best and train and do their best. Yeah. It's just, sometimes it's just very hard to put your finger on exactly what the the issue is. And sometimes you go out and you can try too hard and it just doesn't go for you. And I said, that's football. And I think I said the last time to you that one of the leagues we won, I can remember seeing it and Linfield had a shot and Sean O'Neill touched it with a fingertip of his glove. You see it? You? And it, it went by and come off the post and it was cleared out to Gavin White and he went up the other end and scored and we won the league. And then the last league we won, I don't know if you remember, at Balamina? Yeah. We had Brian. scored and big Brian Jensen touched it onto the crossbar. Just touched it, just got his fingertips to it, hit the crossbar, we went back up and scored and won the league. Now those are fingertip moments, as I call them. And that's, that's what it's all about. Sometimes just fingertip moments. Sometimes it just doesn't go for you, you know. But right. I think I do know the squad that we have, they're good enough. I mean, they're a good squad. They're a good squad of players and they proved it. And it'll come again. There's no doubt, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you rightly said, fingertip moments and there's fingertip moments in pretty much nearly every game of football realistically. Yeah. And it's maybe they're just not analyzed until you're, until things aren't going your way. Yeah. Um, and then they're sort of looked at a bit more, but to switch gears a little bit, Frankie, you, um, you live locally to see You're you just up the road. And um, you're obviously <laughs> um, for the people that know you will know this. And if they don't, you're going to find this out. Frankie, you're a minister, you're a pastor at the local church down at Whitewell. Tell me a little bit about your journey, first in your faith and then at Whitewell.
1: Well, my journey began in my faith way back in 1982 when I was 19, 19 years old uh, in my life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I just heard about a man who loved me and a man who gave everything for me. And I'm one of those guys that, I don't run it down people's throats or, you know, you believe what you want to believe. You want to talk to me about it? Fine. There's been some people in the club has talked to me about it and I've been more than willing to answer any questions that they have, but I'm not in there every week. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. That's the way that they are. But um, I actually came into the first team before I became a pastor. It's in the last five years. And I can remember saying to Stephen, look, I'm become the pastor, don't know. He says, Oh no, 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 no. He says, No, you stay with us because uh, you're good in the changing room and I like you. And we'll work with you, we'll work around you, we'll we'll sort it out. And he's been great. And all, all the boys have been great. You know, they you get a bit of slagging about it, like in a bit of wind up at times. Mostly, mostly it's been great, and nobody has had any offense or any problem with it, you know. But my whole walk as been a Christian, has been varied. I've, I've done many things. Um, way back in the day, in the 90s, I drove trucks to Romania for the church. And now I've been involved in stuff in Africa for the church. And um, the club has kindly donated old kits. And we've taken them out to Ethiopia. And I just have to say to the boys when I'm gone, anybody, any gear? And they bring bagfuls of gear in. For me to take out, and we give it out to the young lads out there. And I have a picture of our man in Ethiopia, Basabi, and I think you maybe know him. And he has a Linfield body warmer on. So, (laughs) you know, but they're just so delighted to get any stuff. And uh, it's great. And when I bring bring them over, I showed them, funny, I showed some of the guys in Kenya with two works in Africa, with a school in Africa. Go six hundred children a day and feed them. We also have a kindergarten with another one hundred and forty children in it, and then we have a work in Kenya, which is to disabled children. We do a work because there's a big problem out there with cerebral palsy, and a young couple from here went out and pioneered that work, and it's done absolutely brilliant. In the month of November, there we treated seventy five children. We brought them in and give them a physiotherapy assessment. Um, we make um, adaptive paper products. I call it things where they can go and it's like high chairs where they can go and sit in the in their houses in it because out there, out in Kenya, they don't have any. But I've also took, uh, as I say, stuff out there, and they're so thankful for anything that they get. And the guys have been absolutely great and funny. Some of them have already brought me stuff in, saying, look, the next time you go out, you know, take that out, take that out, you know, which is great.
0: Just loading up the spare bedroom in your house with all this uh, mm-hmm. ex-footballer gear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Africa.
1: We're kind of, I was trying to get it out because there's that much of it, you know. And but I the know- kids are, the kids out there are so thankful for it. Mm-hmm. But I remember the young lads in Kenya and a, funny, we were talking about Copenhagen there, I showed them the parking stadium on my phone and it says, that's our stadium. And I was only doing it for a day. And they're going, what? What? That's your stadium? And then I showed them the real Crusaders. But no, they're still, they, they love it. And they they love the football. They love even, even getting a football kit. You know? And, but Crusaders have been very good now donating stuff. Like a Bibs and all that sort of stuff, you know. Let me take take it out with me, you know. But it's good to be good to be part of it and to be part in living in the local community. And I know the local community was rocked last year. uh, That young boy Noah, and you know, it was actually the street that I live in that he had disappeared. And I know there's a lot of controversy over it, but the bottom line is, there's a mother who lost her son in tragic circumstances. And it's like us all. Uh, I lost a twin brother in tragic circumstances in a road traffic accident nine years ago. And we all want answers. We all want to know why. We all know. And I'm sure the mum's heart's still breaking because she doesn't understand why the things that happened happened, you know. But I know that uh, all the people in where I live and all the people around me uh, are sort of feel the same way. I know it hurt this street for a long time. You know, the, a young kid came into our street and, you know, we weren't able to help him or do anything for him, you know.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, it was heartbreaking, you know, and even just to see it on the news and how big it went. But what is interesting was the togetherness of the community in terms of yeah. trying to find him. And I think, you know, obviously the tragic circumstances and it didn't really pan out the way everyone prayed and hoped that it would but yeah. the togetherness of the community, and I think it's important too, especially in Northern Ireland, when we talk about the cross community, um, people banded together to work hard to try and find out what happened. And I think I think that has to
1: be commended as well. Yeah. Oh, de- oh definitely, Darren. And, uh, you know, the cross community thing, and you even see it there in the football, because I can remember years ago, games against Cliftonville, and they were just... Pure sectarianism, and that's all died down, thankfully, in the last recent years. And even in the changing room, there's people from different sides of the political persuasion, but it's never ever raised its head. And the guys get on, and all the guys are just interested in football and things. They got they can joke they joke about Rangers Celtic. They, they give Big Sean, you know, a death about Celtic and all, their, but. It never raises its head. Sport and fun, and I'm glad that all that there has gone out of football. Because I remember bad days. Uh, here, in football there was sectarianism and the political divide is going on. There is still a bit of it, but not what it used to be. You know, and it's good to see that it's all died down a good bit. You know.
0: Yeah, and what I've noticed now is even when it does rear its head a little bit, there's quite a large number of people able to turn around, just even in the crowd, and say stop, cut that out, we don't want that here, we don't want that yeah. associated, and that's a massive thing no, for Northern Ireland, isn't it, you know, in a positive yeah. light?
1: or oh, it is a positive thing, and people really don't want it, people want to see good sport, they want to be entertained, you know, and as Stephen often says, people are paying good money to come in and watch you, you know what I mean? And they're, they're coming in, and their whole hopes are on you, because they want to have bragging rights, and say, oh, we beat them, and, you no know, good... And that's what it's about. It's about football. It's about sport. It's about enjoying yourself. It's not about or what you play or where you come from or anything. Which is absolutely brilliant to see nowadays that a lot of that there has gone out of sport. You know, which is great. Even even the guys you know in the club who are from different uh, political persuasions or religions or that years ago you wouldn't have got that, but now they're all in. They're mixing, and it's great to see there's no problems there's no trouble at all with it you know
0: I think it's coincided with the growth of the league and we've mentioned Cliftonville and Larne and Crusaders and Ballymina and all sorts of clubs there's been such a number of different clubs that have challenged for the league title and pushed up the table in the last number of years and we've talked about the ones that are going full-time with that league growth alongside with people beginning to be done with sectarianism and the craziness that goes alongside that in Northern Ireland, it only really leads to good things for the future of the of the league.
1: Oh, it certainly does. And and the thing is now that there is no easy game anymore. You used to think, oh, it's a way to Warren Point or a way to uh, Dungallon, you maybe got to... There is no easy game anymore. If you're not on your game... Anybody will beat you in that league now, which has brought the the, the standard and the level of the league up, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. But what we do need now is for the facilities to come up to match that. The facilities need to be better in the ground. You know, It needs to be a better experience. So when you come to the ground, the facilities that you're in needs to be better so as you know at Crusaders they're uh, starting to, going to be starting to build a new stand right along the side where the clubhouse is there and hopefully i will enhance facilities because there was always a wee end down at the corner there with no shelter with no roof over it yeah nobody wants right. nobody wants that anymore to go to a match and stand and be soaking you know <laughs> so you know it's uh, it's a diehard like you would do it I know people would do it but People want to go and have an experience and enjoy themselves now mm-hmm. and enjoy their time at the game and be comfortable. You know, so you see all those big massive stadiums in England. So that's what just needs to be improved now is facilities in the ground. And as you say, as the standards keep going and going, those facilities will grow and those facilities will get better. Because people demand it. Yeah. You know, because who's, you know, you can sit in the house now, flick a switch and watch the TV. Why should you stand out there in the freezing cold? So your facilities has to be has to be better, more comfortable, more enjoyable for people to come to. You know.
0: Yeah, wholeheartedly agree, and I think, I think that's the way the league is going, thankfully, and it, it seems to have improved. And even if we look at the league ten years ago to now, you know, we had we usually had a two horse title race, usually a Linfield and Glen Torn before the Glen sort of fell away, and different teams then had their moment. Now you're looking at that top six. And you're going right. Any one of these teams probably fancy the top three. Uh, majority of them fancy a league title, and then you're looking at just outside the top six at Balamina and Godalming. Going, I want a piece of that top six. Yeah. And yep. Warren Point, you know, we've seen firsthand what Warren Point can do. Um, yep. to us, the Linfield Portadown are an unbelievably big club. They're on their way back. Um Carrick trying to go places as well. It's it's just a crazy, crazy league. And I think it for me, anyway, and we've seen it a lot during lockdown, people aren't as interested in England anymore. People are turning their TV on to the BBC yeah.
1: and on the Friday night and the BBC on the Saturday night. Yeah. Because it's good, good competitive football. You know, and we and then that's more would be we only fear that we get like that because in England it seems to be all about keeping ball. Because if you keep the ball, the other people can't do it. We're here. You don't have time to keep the ball. They're right on you. They're at you. And, and, and people like that. And as you rightly says, all all these teams coming up, any of those top six that you said, uh, Linfield, Coleraine, Glenn Thorn are improved. They're all coming up. And I was really impressed by Portadown the last time I seen them. A young team, and I think Matthew has done a wonderful job down there, as you say. It's a massive, massive club. A sleeping giant. Uh, Glenavon is Glenavon. You know, Gary Hamilton's done a great job there. Any of those teams, any of them is going to beat you on their day, even we Warren Point. And that's the other thing is going round all the clubs as Kipman. Obviously, you're in early and you get to meet some. They're all great and friendly the wee woman down at Warren Point, she give you coffee and apple pie and all, you know, before anybody comes. Is that why you seasonal. go early? Is that why you uh, go early? That's <laughs> why you go early. <laughs> Get the apple pie. We Roy likes the apple pie, you know. Um, all friendly and helpful. You know, I haven't We We forgot the pump one day, and uh, Guy Blakey at Glenavon, he lent us his pump. You know, they'll help you, they'll lend you, they'll, they'll sort stuff out for you. You know, there's, there's none less. Oh, you're not getting that. or You're not doing that. You know, but uh, no, it's good, good to be a part of.
0: What's interesting about that is, <laughs> as much as the clubs are helpful and the connections are there and people are friendly, when the product goes on the pitch, there's still that blood
1: and thunder. We want to win. Oh, I don't know. This is still deep down they want to beat you, you know, and they're delighted to beat you, and they're smiling at you when they beat you, and they're, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, it's all, it's all good. Um, you know, there's still that competitiveness, you know, and uh, you're trying to just to get get something to give you that wee edge. Maybe you found something out about the team, or you know, um, I, I know Stephen would ask all the members what they think. You know, those teams, what way they would would they play, or you know they've been involved in other teams, just to just to try and get anything. If you can get anything to take you over the, over the edge on these other teams, it, it's great, you know. Um, but we, against Wolves, there was an issue with the balls. Was We, we blow them up to what we want, but Wolves wanted them blown up further. Um, just to go back, I just remembered that one. But when I went to see the referee, it was within the guidelines what, where we were and they, they were not happy about that because they like a really, really hard ball. They're hard, but they weren't, wouldn't be as hard as what the Wolves would play at. So they were saying, no, can you not pump them up to like a 12 bar or something? We had them at 10 bar. And it was only a wee small, like you wouldn't even, you'd hardly even feel the difference knowing you're touching it, but it was just important to the That's the right down to those final wee points. That's where it all comes down to. If you can change something or do something and we, it wasn't that we weren't trying to cheat or change anything it's just when we went into the they said that those balls are soft and i checked them and says, no, they're 10 bar they're fine because it's between the eight and 10, 12 i said well we have them at 12 i said but we have them at 10 and went in the referee and he said no, they're fine so you know we things like that Fine details. I think it was, it was fine. Arsene, fine details. Was
0: Arsene Wenger one time made a comment about some team didn't cut the grass, so they
1: didn't couldn't play football. You'd look for those little details. Yes, yeah. they, they leave the corners. They leave down in the corners longer than in the middle of the pitch, because if you knock a ball out to the wing, it slows it up, so the winger can get onto it. <laughs> oh, the water in the pitches and all. Yeah, it's been bucketing rain for three days, and uh, Lauren were at that the other week was pouring big hoses out watering the pitch because that's what they like that's how yeah. they like to play I mean it's what they do and their players are probably used to that and they're just yeah. the, the ball uh, slides along and it's just it's just what it's just trying to get that wee that wee edge over because most of the teams are evenly matched in player ability ways so you you move down and it's the wee finer finer details yeah. That, that, that can be important you know
0: it's just those little things that can change the game isn't it and especially oh, sort I... of during, during the COVID thing as well you, you're not really maybe getting to see the other teams play as much unless you're watching the, the old, old BBC game so you're looking for any little advantage um with the COVID situation Frankie we, we mentioned earlier you're you're a pastor in, in Whitewell how has that affected your job because you've almost came in as a pastor and then you've almost maybe had about a year at it and then COVID sort of hit
1: and everything's went pear-shaped yeah, and it's been different yeah. for you. I, I, funny, I was in Africa last March and I just got back in time before the pandemic, uh, the lockdown started. and uh, But it's been, it's been terrible, especially on our older community. The older people who do not have, like what we have here, internet and stuff, and they have felt so isolated, and nobody's been allowed to go in near them, and it's been detrimental to them. You know, they've absolutely struggled with them. We we have done what we could. Um We have given out food hampers. We give out, I think it was nearly 400 hampers at Christmas there to needy families, just just to help, just to help through a time of need. Um, but doing, one of the worst parts is going through bereavement or sickness at this time. Um, a friend and work, who I used to work with in my last I'd uh, known her for 30 years, took muzner neurons disease, and she d- deteriorated very badly within six months. And unfortunately, she passed away. But I was doing her funeral, and it was actually last year on Easter Monday, and it was horrendous. Is there's only the 10 people, and that was including me. And that's when the first lockdown came in, and the restrictions were really tight. There's only 10 people, including myself, nine other people, myself, allowed into the funeral uh, home. But it, it affects then the singing because you don't have an organist in to play. Um, and you're trying to sing. And as you know, I'm not really the best singer, Darren. So You should, you should show we, us, Frankie, why we're <laughs> no, on <the> <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, you're all right. So we, we were able to get some songs downloaded onto a CD and we played them and sang with them. But when you went to the graveyard, you know, the hearse pulls up and four men in white hoods on and the face masks and goggles and all come down, lift the coffin out. You're not allowed near it. They take it up, put it in the ground. They walk away, and then it was only myself and one family member was allowed to stand around the grave and do the committal. But even worse was people who were committed because the hearse just drove away. You weren't allowed in. Now, you could follow up to the gates of Roselawn but you were stopped at the gates. You weren't even allowed in and away. And my own mother-in-law, unfortunately, passed away recently here, and we were up um, at Roselawn And now they take the coffin off put it on a trolley, wheel it in. You have to stand outside and watch it on a TV screen and putting it in and, and doing a small uh, committal thing. But it's just been uh, absolutely horrendous for people, uh, especially uh, you know on their men- mental health, because we all are sociable animals. We all need contact with people. Why the sport is missed badly. Because when you're going out to a Saturday, it's, it's contact with people. You're sitting, you're having a banter and having a laugh. And it's good that, okay, we as a team can get in, but the fans can't get in. And I know a lot of the fans are missing that. They're just missing that social side of life. You know, going out, even just going out for a cup of coffee. Funny, it was with the white fella then, it says, when just be nice, just even to go and have a cup of coffee. Never mind going and have a meal, go and get a haircut go To the shops to buy something, you know, some clothes because they said earlier my birthday this week, and she's saying, What we're we going to get? And I said, Well, what can we get? You know, I suppose you can order online, but it's just not the same experience, you know.
0: Yeah, it's certainly just been a very, very different year, and of course, um, my condolences to yourself and Valda, um, on the bereavement, and obviously, happy birthday, um, early yeah. birthday for you coming up yeah. this week, Frankie. Um, you're you're pushing on there. You're, you're all going all well. Right. But you're looking well, Frankie. You're still looking well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what's how excited are you? Um, we'll sort of wrap up with this question. How excited are you for hopefully the return to somewhat of normality? Um, with hopefully fans back at games, with people back able to go out and socialize? Because you mentioned there, you know, people are sociable. They're and even at the ad to it. people are creatures of habit, you know. Some people their Saturday revolves around getting up, getting their breakfast, watching a bit of the TV, going out for lunch, and then going to the match. And yeah. it's it's just totally different. So how how excited are you um, to
1: getting somewhat back to normal? I, I'm I'd be more than delighted to get back to normal, even even just in the changing room to get back to normal, to get back in their own changing rooms and back into all the things that we do. But to get the fans back in it's going to be something fantastic because it's the fans that make the game. And we've, we've seen that now, the players play and it's the players, but the fans make the day. It's the fans that make the excitement. And we And The Crusaders are fortunate to have some great fans, absolutely great fans, and I've seen them traveling with the crews and those European trips, and they're absolutely brilliant fans, and I know that they're badly missed, and I know they miss their crews too. So it's going to be great when all this comes to an end whenever it is, uh, whatever happens. But hopefully it will be sooner rather than later we can all get back out there and enjoy the sport that we all love. Because that's the reason why we all do it, because we love it. We love the sport and we love the banter. We love everyone associated with it. We love our team winning, but there can only be one winner, unfortunately. Uh, But we've had, as you've rightly said earlier, have some fantastic years crusaders over the last 10 years you know it's been absolutely brilliant and a joy and a pleasure to be part of it Frankie, I, i echo your thoughts um
0: it's been brilliant last sort of 10 12 years looking forward to seeing where we go in the future future is bright despite maybe what maybe people think and what the table looks like right now but i i'm pretty confident in the future being bright for crusaders with the with the full-time three-quarter model, um, with the new stand coming, with everything that's happening in and around the club, I think we have a lot to be excited about. And as we've rightly said as well, football, you can't win the league every year. Um, And that's just, that's just it. There's still a cup to play for this year. There's still European playoffs. There's all sorts of stuff still to play for this year. And fingers crossed, we can go and do something. But Frankie, I agree with you. It'd be amazing to get the fans back, get back into Seaview and, to get watching the football and that's really I think what it's all about is just the love for the club and the love of being there but Frankie I know um we've kept you here for an hour so just want to thank you once again coming on the podcast sharing your words of wisdom with me um as we mentioned before we recorded there's not very many kit men that have a song written about them by a couple <laughs> of young kids at a youth club whenever you were shouting at us back well, in the day <laughs> <laughs>
1: Frankie's pops. <laughs> oh, Frankie's Bops are wonderful, aren't they, Frankie? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you. Thanks for reminding me about that one, Darren. Oh, it's been a joy. It's been a joy talking to you and it's good to to good, uh, speak to you again.
0: Likewise, Frankie. Echo, echo it all. Love that, oh, Frankie. Thank all.
1: you so much. All right. God bless. Thank you.
0: Well, folks, that's us for this week. Thank you for listening to the show with myself and, of course, the main man, the guest, Frankie Weir. Upcoming podcasts, Richard Clark, Michael Docherty, and a couple of others. Keep your eyes peeled, see who I've got coming up. Sean O'Neill, Michael Carville, Howard Beverland, Philip Laurie, Ian Wilson, Chris Haggerty. They're all there. Go back and check them out if you've missed any of them. But until next week, folks, thanks very much. Have a great weekend.